Choices are always hard to make, especially when your life is in chaos. This podcast will help teens and their families in conflict zones decide whether they should stay where they are or flee, provide them with stories about the experiences of people who have already made this decision. Moreover, this podcast will provide people living in peaceful areas with personal stories of teenagers who experienced cruelty, making people more compassionate and motivated to help people in need. Hello all, I'm Sofia Kimenko and this is the first episode of the podcast Over the Globe. Our podcast team is an international group of teenagers from Ukraine, Myanmar and Afghanistan from the Winds of Change organization, a youth leadership group created by Classrooms Without Walls. You'll find the link to its site in the show notes. This podcast aims to give voices to teenagers from conflict zones who are in exile or in their home countries so they can tell their unique stories. I'm a 14-year-old from Kiev, Ukraine. My dad, mom and I returned to Ukraine from a three-month trip to Germany, two weeks before the full-scale invasion. The air flight company canceled our flight. It didn't want its crew to rest in Ukraine overnight. It was just unbelievable. Almost no one in Ukraine seriously thought the full-scale invasion could start. The war was too big to believe in. We booked a flight for another time and returned home. Still surprised someone could really believe the war could start. On the 24th of February, I should have gone to a rehearsal to a school concert. But as you understand, I didn't go there. Learning was stopped for an unknown period. Even though we didn't think the full-scale invasion could start, we thought about a possible plan. My family wanted to leave Kyiv by car and get to another country or to a city in the west of Ukraine. But my family couldn't leave because my dad was not allowed to cross the border. Our plans to go to another city crashed into pieces because the roads were blocked by a huge traffic jam. The train stations were full of people desperately trying to get to Poland or Ukrainian western cities. Everyone rushed to the shops to buy food because it was thought Kyiv could be blocked by Russians. Cat and dog food disappeared first. A few days later, bread and milk disappeared as well. My parents and I went to find some milk because we couldn't find it in major supermarkets. That's why we walked until we found a small shop where we could buy bread and milk. Proudly holding them, we told everyone we met uh, where we bought the products and they rushed to the shop. On the first day, my friend's family and I went to the local shelter. It was located under a small building, but went deep down. As we followed people coming down many stairs with some massive metal doors from the Soviet times, meant to protect from the radiation in case of a nuclear war, there were loads of people, all sitting near the walls, Some of them had small cushions and some mattresses. Many were with kids. If one wanted to stay in the shelter overnight, they had to write their name down in a special notebook. If the shelter was ruined, the rescuers 
would know who was there. The shelter was for no more than 500 people. For your understanding, only our apartment block has got 1,200 apartments. We had an underground parking nearby, so we decided to stay there in case of air alerts. They were often, and it was winter. We didn't turn on the car heating, as we wanted to spare some petrol so we could leave the city. It was freezing, so we gave up on staying there and sat in our corridor, which didn't have windows and was protected by walls. Two days later, my grandma, who lived in the center, managed to get to our apartment on the left bank. It was already curfew, and she, by miracle, managed to get a man to drive her to us. Immediately after that, the bridges were mined and blocked. We waited for the possibility of going to a safer place, until, on the 7th of March, thanks to our relative who works on a train, we got to Lviv, a city in the west of Ukraine. We didn't have a place to live, but an acquaintance gave us his house. We lived there for three months. I discovered online meetings held by NGO Smarter Sweden, where I spent up to five hours a day. It was an important part of my life, and still is. In the summer, we came back to Kyiv. I entered a math and physics lyceum, which it rammed about. The entrance exams took place in the school shelter, which was very well equipped and previously used as a conference hall and the gym as the school was tiny. We had to have a so-called emergency bag, which we took in the shelter in case of air alerts. We had to put a notebook in it with our names, our parents' phone numbers and our blood type, in case um, the school would be ruined. This was the school of my dreams. We were a big family there. But after a month of my studies there, my dad was given a science grant. We decided to try to move abroad. Imagine how upset I was about leaving the country for an unknown time, leaving my dream school behind. My dad went by train to the Polish border and we waited for news from him. He was allowed to cross it. And a few days later, my mom, my dog and I reached him in Krakow, where he stayed with my uncle. After spending some time there, we went by car first to Austria and then to Italy. The journey was so unplanned that we didn't even rent a house there. We were searching for it on our way. As we couldn't find any apartment in Padova, where my parents had the job, we rented an apartment in Bakuko, which, as we later discovered, means idiot in the Italian dialect. As we almost arrived, the apartment host told us there was a gas emergency and they had to do some immediate reparation so they could not rent us the apartment. We didn't have any backup plan, so we started searching again and found an apartment hotel in a town called Kyoja, located in 50 kilometers from Padova, with a room for three without any gas emergencies. It was nice, but too small to live for a long time and cost a lot of money. So we rented it only for a month. Another apartment was hard to find as it was either expensive, not dog friendly, or not for long term rent. I continued studying at the Ukrainian Lyceum, but had to start going to an Italian school as well. We didn't know Italian, and there was no hope of communicating with someone in English as it is a tiny town. Many problems and no solutions. One day, we went to the historical part of the city and saw a Ukrainian flag on one of the shops selling souvenirs to tourists 
And to our surprise, when we came closer, the owner of the shop spoke in Ukrainian to us. She said she's been living here for a couple of decades and is married to an Italian. When we told her we still couldn't find a long-term apartment and our rent was finishing, she promised to ask her friend, who is a tourist agent, for help. That's how we found the place uh, we are now living in. It turned out that there is a small community of Ukrainians who have been living here for ages. Some are proud they were the first Ukrainian women living here and say they came here 23 years ago. After we moved into the new apartment, I went to school. I knew only words like salad, pan, thank you, bye, etc. Which, as you understand, are not enough to study in the seventh grade. When I first came to the class, children and teachers tried talking to me. But after seeing how limited was my knowledge of Italian, they decided to let me study on my own. I tried talking to them in English, but it didn't bring any results. Because I didn't have any textbooks, uh, but then I read It by Stephen King. It's a horror book. As I later discovered, this is the longest novel of his. I read it from the start to finish. I also kept a diary about my first weeks in the Italian school, as writing is my hobby. After a month or two, the school gave me a tablet to translate the textbooks, which I finally had. My Italian got better and better until reaching the point where I could now study without any dictionary, which I am, to be honest, really proud of. At first, it was difficult to study, because the lessons were 55 minutes long instead of 45, and there were only two 10-minute breaks. But then I got used to it. Even though I couldn't communicate with anyone here, I started writing and taking photos, which are still an important part of my life. Even though I miss Kiev and my friends and relatives who left there, as for today, I studied both in the Ukrainian and Italian schools, get good marks, and even have an Italian friend with whom I can communicate freely, not using the pantomime I used before to ask things like, may I borrow your pencil? This episode was my story. Listen to the next ones to hear those of teenagers from Afghanistan, Myanmar, and many more.